global phenomenon, Surviving the Survivor, where we bring you the best guests in all of true crime. What's up, SDS Nation, and welcome to another episode of Surviving the Survivor, the podcast that, <clears throat> excuse me, promises to bring you the very best guests in all of true crime. You can tell I'm making it barely to the finish line as we head off on a uh, family adventure to see uh, where my mother was hidden during the war. The CTO thought it would be a good idea to uh, travel to Los Angeles first from Miami before heading to Europe. And uh, that is where I'm coming to you from this evening, an undisclosed location uh, in Los Angeles. Uh, But welcome, uh, one and all. Uh, There is a possible big development in the uh, missing Colorado mom case. Of course, we're talking about Suzanne Morphew. Uh, Prosecutors in a courtroom recently said that they believe they know where she is, uh, presuming that that is where her body uh, might be. Uh, So the question is, where is she and who is ultimately responsible uh, for this crime if, in fact, she was murdered? Uh, There are a few guests, uh, one who is going to join us, uh, I believe, momentarily, who have been on this case literally from uh, the very, very onset, from the beginning, and know more uh, than most. Um, Kurt Simpson, uh, he also goes by AK, the man with the beard and the bald head, (laughs) good-looking beard and bald head. Uh, He is founder of the nonprofit called Hope rocks and it is spelled h-o-p-e-r-o-x all one word he works a lot alongside martin smallwood uh, pictured above him and even though martin is wearing an, a los angeles shirt where i am he is coming to us live from ireland uh across the ocean uh the hope rocks team is comprised of hundreds of volunteers from around the world coming together for the sole purpose of crowdsourced investigations and support It was all born out of the Suzanne Morphew case, which AK began working on uh, two months post uh, murder. So obviously, uh, this is fairly fresh. I just want to remind everyone, you can follow us on Facebook, Insta, Twitter. We are at Podcast STS. On Instagram, we'll be posting uh, pictures from our adventure at Surviving the Survivor. Follow me on Insta if you want to see the lunacy that is my family. Uh, The merch store is open. Um, And without further ado, we'll welcome our two guests that are here right now. Um, Kurt, how did you get um, so interested and invested in the Suzanne Morphew case? I mean, to the point that you've even started a nonprofit based on. Well, uh, it's a long story. I, I want to say first, the journey that you're on, people do need to check out because I, you know, you just speaking about it behind the scenes was very powerful and in a in a good way. So I I applaud you for what you're doing. So uh, start with that. But thanks for giving time to Suzanne. This is what it's about. Is Suzanne Morphew? Um, I was uh, kind of abducted from a friend of mine who was searching for Suzanne. Um, a good friend, an ex-Navy uh, veteran, and uh, brought into this. And once I got a little bit in, it started getting bigger. Um, I've been a private investigator for 20 years and plus, and um, it's always been a dream to have like a crowdsourced and platform or minds of all types coming together to help kind of solve the 
the problems or the questions that you can't really solve alone. Um, and there's power in numbers. So the, the thoughts, the, um, you know, the different approaches and different experiences in life helps bring it together. And that's what started down this journey. And that's where we are right now. So, so Kurt, you are a private investigator. That was your profession prior to this. I did that for 20 years, part-time for about 13, but I, I was, I've been in all types of investigations. Um, but yeah, I, I was a private investigator. Um, I'm not ex law enforcement. Um, I'm not ex FBI. Like you have uh, a wonderful Johnny, uh, special agent, Johnny Grusing on here. Um, I, I'm not of that caliber. I do believe that, um, the product that we produce is, is of that caliber though, because you have so many people that can hone it and, and tear it apart. Like, uh, Martin and I have drag out fights on the phone sometimes. Um, and, uh, it, it's, it's fun because you hash out the differences and that makes you become more, uh, confident on where you're going. Mm. By the way, Jennifer's asking who is Carol McKinley in the picture above. And then it was answered right away because STS nation is awesome answered by mo hartman i'm really happy to see carol mckinley as a guest uh she is supposed to be arriving momentarily uh she is a wise and experienced journalist well respected in colorado and beyond for many years great for grateful for her dedication and effort uh we will see if in fact uh she does uh show up um dom's mom telling me she's helping spread the word about ellen greenberg that is a, a young philadelphia woman found stabbed 20 times, uh, 10 to the back, uh, 10 to the front, uh, including two that an independent autopsy showed occurred after she had died and it was ruled a suicide. Uh, her fiance uh, was with her. Um, we have been working on that story. We will continue to work on it. a really quick programming note before I forget. We will be back live tomorrow, 5 p.m. Eastern time, 2 p.m. Pacific time uh, for Great Scott to True Crime Phil with Detective Phil Waters and former FBI agent uh, Scott Duffy. They will be here. Uh, and then Monday night, we're doing a special on Dan Markell. Um, he was murdered uh, back in 2014 on July 18th. So the anniversary of his death is coming up. Uh, and then after that, we will be bringing you uh, Surviving My Biggest Case uh, Stories and relaunching some uh, original episodes that a lot of people have not seen until uh, we're back roughly uh, August 3rd. So bear with us and uh, thank you. And I know the cameras today are a little weird and I'm looking in weird spots because I have a totally new uh, setup. So uh, look at this, a kind comment, I think. Two shows yesterday, an episode tonight, somebody's a diligent man, I'm lost with time zone. So am I at this point. It's <laughs> Friday here, everybody. They must be coming from, uh, watching from Australia. And uh, the show we did last night, if you did not see it with Ross Coldheart, the man who blew the whistle on uh, what's, well, who interviewed the man who blew the whistle on what's happening with uh, the UFO situation. Um, he was here. Super interesting episode. Uh, very respected guy. He's very, a very respected guest you had on. Yeah. Seriously, in those realms. He's big, speaking of respected guests, speaking of respected guests, there yes. she is, uh, Carol McKinley. Hey, How are you doing, Carol? I'm Carol, doing well. How are you? Uh, doing great. Thank you for joining. Just want to introduce the audience. Uh, Carol McKinley is a uh, reporter with the Denver Gazette. She's been a freelance print and broadcast journalist covering news from the Rocky Mountains for uh, 30 years. She's written extensively about Suzanne Morphew, 
uh, for the uh, Denver Gazette, as I just said. Uh, she's also a freelance network field producer. Uh, she has an MA in religious studies from the University of Den- Denver. So Denver uh, through and through. Um, before we even get cracking, uh, and, and I'm assuming, by the way, that, Carol, you do know Kurt and Martin. I don't know you guys, do I? No. no. Oh, we've, we've interacted some on Twitter, I believe. Okay. And it's been positive. So okay. that's a good thing. That's a great thing. <laughs> so we'll get into it. I like it, what you write. I like what you write. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Kurt, Kurt and Martin have been um, kind of citizen investigators. They've been on the case. They've mapped out the area. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, have you? Yeah. Yes. And, we'll, and we'll get into all that very quickly, um, Carol. Is there anything developing out of this news? And I'm taking us on a total left turn for one second uh, about John Benet, that, you know, this, this alleged killer, you know, has come out again, I think, and, and made some noise that he is, in fact, he's a pedophile that was arrested. You're shaking your head. Gary Oliva? Are you yeah. talking about Gary? That's not new. That's, yeah, well, <laughs> something, something resurfaced for that. He's been eliminated uh, many times. He, okay. He's not a killer. Okay, definitely not. I mean, Gary Oliva, is he out of jail now? Uh, you know, I don't know. I was looking at something very quickly just before coming on air. So I'll have to check it out oh, a little more thoroughly. Yeah. I, thought, I thought maybe you knew. Um, he's, surfaced, um, he's surfaced many times throughout this case. What is it, 20, going on 28 years now? And um, he, he's a guy who, I mean, he... he I think he uh, he confessed several times. He's confessed to a friend, and the friend is the one who keeps things going uh, and yeah. keeps reaching out to the media. But you know, his DNA doesn't match. His fingerprints don't match. His writing doesn't match. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't in Boulder. He did not get into the house. Um, he didn't do it. Got it. Uh, had to ask. Saw the headline. I'll do. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it's interesting. I, I you know. I never know what job and a, it seems like um, the biggest thing right now is I think there's a big rumble outside the case for people to um, for the Boulder police to hand the case over to genealogical and familial hmm. DNA experts. And uh, it's like the Boulder police tell me we've already done that. People yeah. think we're so stupid. We're not. We've already done all that. Yeah. You think we ever get an answer? No, you're on the record. In your lifetime? Yeah. Yeah. And in in any of our lifetimes. As long as this DNA is still out there, you know, until they can, if there's no match ever, it's always going to block everything else in the case. People forget there's a two and a half page ransom note. Hmm. I mean, that note, if there was no DNA in this case, the note would be crucial. It would be critical evidence. You know, um, someone wrote it. I don't believe, I have a really hard time believing that anyone got in the house that night. That's my big problem with that case. It's very hard to believe that someone else got in the house and there's not a lot of evidence besides the DNA of anyone else being in the house besides the three people who already lived there. Uh, kind of a hard one. Yeah, it remains uh, intriguing all these uh, yeah. 28 years later, still in everyone's mind. I'll send you the article I just saw. Uh, That's I, okay. I, I was explaining to everyone I've been traveling all day, so my apologies. I mean, 
Yeah, um, that's all right. Back to Suzanne Morphew, and I understand you might have some limited time, Carol. So whenever you have to bounce, you just let us know. But okay. um, Suzanne Morphew, for those who do not know, uh, and again, my setup here is a little strange. So if I'm looking in an odd direction, that's why. But Suzanne goes missing on Mother's Day 2020 early in the morning. Um, the two daughters were out of town on a camping trip. Uh, they text the mother, Happy Mother's Day. Um, daughter Mallory uh, informs her father, Barry, that they are unable to reach Suzanne. Uh, Barry then uh, reaches a neighbor uh, and asks right away if a mountain bike is there, which is a little odd to me, uh, but I'm no investigator. We can ask uh, Kurt about that in a moment. Um, and then Barry doesn't head home immediately. So that sort of just sets the uh, very broad stage for what happened. But Carol, um been talking to Kurt and Martin Um when did you start picking up this case uh, as a reporter? Uh, at what junction? It, was it shortly after she went missing? And uh, No, I was late. I wasn't even there for the searches. Okay. Yeah, I came in late on that one. And um, I was working for 2020 at the time. And um, a lot of the other reporters had already been down there, you know, searching with the searchers, getting to know the investigators, one or two even talking to Barry Morphew, but no, we, I didn't come in for another couple of weeks after that. Okay. Well, uh, what made news most recently is uh, the deputy district attorney, a guy named Mark Herbert in court came out and uh, basically said that uh, they know the location of the body um, and went on to say, and this is a quote, she's in a very difficult spot. Um, we actually have more than just a feeling, this assistant district attorney said, uh, and the sheriff's office is continuing, he said, to look for Mrs. Morphew's body. Uh, Carol, do you have anything else on that? I mean, is it a done deal? Do they know that she was definitively uh, killed and that her body is laying somewhere in the Colorado wilderness? Well, I don't think they know that. I think they um, they suspect that. And there's really no evidence of her body. There's really there's no blood. That makes it really hard. You know, there are all kinds of theories about this. If Barry did it, there are theories that he either left her body somewhere around the house or um, maybe even um, disposed of her on the way up to Broomfield that day in different places along the way. That's if he did it. Um, if he didn't, I've heard theories about Jeff Libler, the uh, the boyfriend maybe hired a hitman. I've heard theories that she ran away. I don't think that's possible, but there is a theory that she, that she ran off. And, and I, last year, I don't know if you guys remember this, but there was a, a homeless woman down in Colorado Springs. That the defense into, yeah, the defense introduced is hey judge. There's a, there's a homeless lady that looks yeah. similar to this missing woman. So yeah. she could be her. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of uh, actually the lady resembled her from behind and yeah. she had perfect teeth and no one could understand why anybody who was homeless uh, could be Suzanne's age and be dressed, you know, in old, old clothes. But then suddenly when she smiled, she had this dazzling smile. And so everybody thought that it could have been her and that she maybe hit her head. I mean, yeah. there are people who think she did hit her head, you know, and maybe, well, maybe we identified that person. It was it wasn't her. It, it was an actual person. Yeah, um, right. That was not right. down there. So that's yeah, that's a good that, thing. 
I mean, that's the kind of thing that's, you know, there's all, there are all kinds of things out there. It's, it's so sad that there's no, you know, there's no trace of her. Yeah. And Carol, do we know, uh, cause you mentioned Jeff Libler, that was the person we found out she was uh, having an affair with through that uh, spy pen that we'll get to. Uh, was there any indication that their relationship had soured um, or he was fearful that the wife would find out anything of that sort? There really wasn't. There really wasn't like their last their last text to each other were at two o'clock on Saturday before Mother's Day. And she sent him a picture of herself sunbathing. It's that it's a really pretty picture of her. I think she has her hand on her on her Mm -hmm. chin and she looks very serene. And that's the last known proof of life photo we have. But the weird thing is he um, he didn't really text her after that to find out where are you? I think there might have been a happy Mother's Day. There was, yeah. Um, He got rid of his cell phone. He didn't tell anybody about her after she went missing. And in fact, police had to seek him out. I don't think they even interviewed him until that fall. You're talking about Jeff Libler. Yeah. um, The the man in um, a different state that she was having an affair with. Yeah. 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 They they, they ran his whole... everything they they ran his alibi and he was proved to be not in the area so but you know who knows the yeah i mean i I think the theory from the defense is that he might have hired somebody because he's got credit i think he went to to the you know uh home depot or walmart or something there's a credit card receipt or something Hmm. but Um, i'm just telling you i mean there's a there's just a you know i mean plethora of information out there just floating around right this is about eight different theories yeah, so I'm going to get uh, Maui Swift here says justice for Suzanne, followed by Tilo from Boston in front of the show. Is it true they say they know where she is but can't get to her? Uh, we have not heard yet from a patient, uh, Martin Smallwood. I've been calling Martin Underwood because of my autocorrect, so apologies <laughs> to Martin Smallwood. Uh, Martin, uh, you are coming to us from Ireland. Uh, yes. Far away. What has, All right. Yeah, what has garnered your interest in this case, and how did you team up with Kurt? Well, I was it was COVID and lockdown, and uh, everyone sitting at home on on their laptops and watching YouTube videos. And I happened to watch the uh, Adventures of a Purpose, the the, the guys that the, they look for uh, cars and whatever underneath the water. And Kurt happened to be on that. Um, episode. It was two episodes. And um, I'd seen the poster and uh, I just got interested in, in, in the case. And as soon as the, uh, as I finished that program, I searched uh, the Suzanne and I was just taken in with it straight away. And uh, I suppose nearly uh, eight months later, um we got in contact with Seth and Kurt and uh, we've been like Siamese twins ever since. So every day. Yeah. In that eight month, in that eight month period, it took you to get, and again, uh, Kurt is the founder of hope rocks, H O P E R O X, all one word. Uh, It's a nonprofit that helps look for victims like this Uh, in that eight month period before you connected with Kurt, were you working on this case? Yes. I'm on your own. Yes. Your background is also, it's funny, uh, the tagline of our show, Surviving the Survivor, is best guess in true crime. Typically, <laughs> they are uh, former FBI agents, former DEA agents, journalists uh, with a 
pedigree like Carol McKinley's. Um, mm-hmm. We don't find uh, average citizens all the time who are doing this, not to call you average. You know what I mean? But um, yeah, I, I get you. Yeah. But you don't have a background in law enforcement. Is that correct? No, no. Wow. OK. And so um, tell me, uh, Kurt, um, Carol just mentioned she got on after, quote, unquote, the searches, which is a big deal uh, in Colorado. When did those searches, how soon after she went missing, did those searches begin? And what was your role, if any, in those searches? Um, I didn't get involved until those searches, actually. Uh, so about mid-July, I believe, Carol, if I'm not mistaken, that's about when you came in. Mid to late July is whenever yeah, I came was. in. Yeah, that's that's what I believe. Um, and uh, that's whenever I was taken down there for the first time. And we we, uh, we did some searches and I got a pretty bad infection from a spider and I had to go home because I was getting septic and spent some time getting yeah. fixed up from that. But uh, after that, it's just been consistent going. Uh, first, I spent a lot of time looking at the mines, um, looking in the mines. I've got... Uh, we now have an arsenal of equipment, but back then we didn't have fish and pull and GoPro, um, you know, some ropes to get up the mountains and to hold yourself and wow. sleep in a hammock. I spent eight and a half months down in Salida in the uh, last two and a half years of the search until we found the data. Um, and that pulled me out of just wandering around aimlessly, not aimlessly, but searching mines and, and whatnot, to being a lot more specific on the areas of possibilities that could be searched because it's impossible to search that entire area down there. I'm sorry. Um, I, I missed you. You said until you found what? Data. 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 Got data. Once the data was introduced by the defense, the telemetric data from the Bobcat, which is um, five days worth of telematics from the Bobcat um, disconnected on the day Saturday, um, the day before she was missing um, the, the telematic data on the Bobcat was 100% accurate and foolproof. Um, and, uh, yeah. So whenever you start looking at all the pieces of the puzzle, you put the Bobcat data together, you know, they did a search, they dug up a foundation of a building of a house being built alongside the river. Um, but they had not accessed or analyzed the data contained in the bobcat telematic module if they had they would have maybe chose a different search location and that is part of the the issue that we're facing here we've got a lot of missing pieces that that weren't um taken place or you know weren't figured in in their minds at first and it and it should have been because it tells it paints a picture just I could I could go through my Google Earth day by day, minute by minute, or my Excel spreadsheet with four thousand entries, minute by minute, with every phone call, every text, his second phone that he had when he turned off his telematics to his truck, when he turned it back on because he wanted to be located, when he pulled and disconnected the the power to the telematics on the the Bobcat on that Saturday. What well, well, we're going to get into some of that because I'm very Crazy. interested and uh, I'm far from a, a data guy myself. But um, Good. Carol Mo Hartman, uh, we've got uh, 56,000 strong here, STS Nation, our audience and our community. Wow. Uh, Mo Hartman uh, asking or making the comment that I'm curious to get a response from you on Colorado has too many domestic violence, homicides, and missing persons. The number of high profile murder cases in the state is embarrassing. 
this case of Suzanne Morphew must get resolved. Is this an accurate statement in your opinion? Oh, we have a lot. And and it seems like every one we have is something it's more stranger than the, more strange than the next. I don't know if you remember Chris Watt. Mm-hmm. He's the guy, you know, who was accused of putting his daughters in the in the oil drums. I mean, yeah. uh, Patrick Frazee with Kelsey Barrett, you know, uh, in uh, that's the one where the nurse from Idaho turned the whole case because she helped get rid of the body. You know, um, well, it, no, I just had uh, I just interviewed Johnny Grusing on Scott Kimball. Oh, I love Johnny Grusing. He's yeah. awesome. You know, I mean, Harold Hinthorn. Johnny yeah. Grusing did that one. That was the guy who uh, killed his wife in Estes Park. He was taking a picture. Back a little further. Back a little further. You know, and, and then off, you know, and, and Johnny got the the uh, the the um, cell phone pings. He utilized cell phone pings in two thousand and eighteen. Two thousand and eighteen, and puts him there. And this is the the same yeah. agent that was being tripped up on the stand by the defense, and um, it's because he wasn't thoroughly prepared. You know, you know I, he's when they were talking guy. about moving through walls at fifty or thirty four miles per hour, the defense caught him out. Um, it wasn't well thought through, and he hadn't had time to properly look at the data yet. I think because he's a smart guy, especially yeah. with all the the cases he's done with cellular pains. Um, I hope he gets a hold of our information. Uh, well, Carol, I may have uh, inadvertently just brought you two sources. Uh, Martin, since you're coming to us from oh, Ireland. I'm so excited to see you guys. This is awesome. <laughs> yeah. uh, Martin, for those who don't know a lot about the case, and that's me included, uh, you know, I play a journalist on TV, so I, I depend on uh, bigger, brighter minds. Explain to everyone, um, what does the Bobcat have to do with this? Um, and how did that help with the uh, data precision? Well, he he used the Bobcat for about five days beforehand. And uh, so we were able to track him where he was, if, say, from the from the Monday. And uh, so you either had him in his truck or you had him in his Bobcat or you had him on his phone. So we were able to basically uh, trace Barry's movements for, for the whole week. There's, there's obviously holes here and there where we have no... Um, telematics or, or data, but um, very interesting. The the the, um, the Bobcats, especially on the Friday. The Friday was very interesting. Um, wow! It was all all down um, at the the, um, the dig site. Yeah, the, 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 the place the foundation. foundation. Mm-hmm. So. He and it spent, wasn't anywhere near where they were digging up the pylons no. in the foundation. I spent the whole day basically on that um, beach site. So that's exactly where the bobcat was, on that, where, where the dog hit. Um, where, um, but that's Andy. not where they dug up. No, they never dug that part up. Okay. But that's where the, the bobcat was um, for that whole day, basically, up till 5.41. Uh, so, Kurt... And, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Martin. Go ahead. Go on. Um, but on the Saturday, we had a uh, very interesting with the Bobcat again, because in the morning he picks up Morgan at the, um, his worker, the, uh, his worker, um, at the, uh, anytime fitness. And the Bobcat then is running. He has got the Bobcat running on the back of the trailer. 
So he drives down to the back down to County Road 105, down to Vanderbilt Road. We know this because Bobcats don't travel at uh, 57 miles an hour. <laughs> yes. They top out at 13. <laughs> and uh, he's walking down there again uh, just for a couple of hours, about an hour and a half, I think, uh, maybe an hour and uh, a little bit longer, hour 40 minutes. And what and does the worker to- tell about his her, her experience that morning? She says, um, do you know that... Uh, a pig can consume a body within two hours. And Barry, turns, Barry yeah. turns around and says, I could bury a body and it would never be found. That was on Saturday How do you morning. know that that statement was made? How do you know that the worker said this? She we said she it, stated it, it to yeah. the FBI. She also uh, stated it to Channel, um, or to the Lauren Sharp. Lauren, the Lauren, yeah, Lauren, yeah. Okay. It was uh-huh. an odd statement, very odd statement. Very odd. This, and they were only uh, together for what three minutes, what, or five minutes before that statement was even brought up. So how could that be introduced as a hello, welcome, here's your coffee? I could uh, pick you consume, you know, you don't just go there. And so it's a little was, bit odd. And that was an employee of Barry Morphew, you're saying? Yes, a subcontractor. Okay. He didn't have employees, but he got his his uh, um, COVID loan uh, for thirteen he employees. Her, he paid her cash. He paid her cash. Yeah. Um, so, and wasn't one of the one of the employees? Didn't he die recently? Yes, yes. Jeffrey Puckett. Jeffrey Puckett. I interviewed him. A He's a witness, yeah. and he he. Uh, it's a long story, but yeah, we have we have. A, I had a good rapport with Jeff, and I uh, considered wow. him somebody who was inside um, the mix, and he knew something was going to happen to him. He made some some. Uh, Statements and Grusing uh, agent, special agent Johnny Grusing actually knows these statements. I know he does because they were they were given to him. But he's made some specific statements before he passed because he thought that he was going really to he felt like he was being poisoned. Yeah, he thought somebody was poisoning him. Wow, how old was this person? Uh, I think he was uh, forty four, and he died of acute methamphetamine overdose. Forty three, forty four, yeah. Wow, and what do you know his name? Jeffrey Puckett. Jeff Puckett. Je- what's his last name? P U C K E T T. Jeff Pope Rocks actually helped to get um, the GoFundMe promoted enough to get his body cremated and sent back to his family in North Carolina. And do you um, know how that is? Was I mean, was his manner of death ruled? Was it natural causes? They overdose, tried- acute overdose of methamphetamine. And he was a user. He was a self-admitted user of methamphetamine, but he didn't do anything else. He wasn't a drinker. He didn't. There has been so much said about this man, but in the end, he was he was really re- he was about religion. He was about having a pure heart, understanding he has deficits, um, but not judging others for theirs. It was kind of a cool experience to talk to him, to meet him. Um, I've since spoken with, with his late what or with his wife, um, his uh, stepdaughters, and and uh, a couple other people, and his sister. So it's been a very very. Uh, pretty cool thing to hear but he was he was actually interviewed early on um and he says she's either uh barry did it and she's either in a mine up above the house or aliens aliens ticker mm. well did barry probably, kill her? which is probably closer to the truth than all the other theories is yes. the, the aliens uh, actually well, came down and took her we did a we did a show about aliens last night uh, there is, <laughs> exactly. I'm not, I'm not, that's what i'm saying the whole world is uh, the whole world is intersecting in it 
in a strange way. Marla Hanna says, I wonder if Barry watches these. Uh, Barry Moore, yes, yes. open invite. He's watching, yeah, he's watching. Yeah, yeah, he he is. Yeah, 1,000%. His lawyer, um, lawyers, lawyers, team, they're watching. Well, Barry Morphew, it's surviving. Give me a call, I'll get you on, I'll give you a platform. We've got 56,000 members of SDS Nation. Uh, some months we're getting over 2 million views. So come on, you got a, you've got a big platform here. You guys are awesome. Did you guys see that um, Iris Aton? I'm sure you saw it. One yes. of the in, in that document dump that she requested that the fact that he watched these shows not be part of. Yes, because speaking of, there was a podcast about a little girl uh, or a, a young woman being murdered, and the bike was staged to look like it was a crash bike scene. It was a young and, girl, actually. It was a young yeah, girl. she was a younger girl, and she ended up being murdered and placed somewhere else by this person and that was an episode that was caught on this spy pen that was put inside of his truck Mm -hmm. while he was driving around because he would listen to crime podcasts and crime shows on satellite along with taking calls and whatnot but so she um, didn't want everybody to know that he had heard you know something that was very specific to how this crime occurred yeah Wow, and there's a so lot, there's a lot more. There's a lot more. I, I we could do an episode every day for a month, and we would 100%. be about fifty percent um, giving out the information. I'm I, have a feeling, I have a feeling Carol's going to be asking me for your guys' numbers. Um, and look, <laughs> Carol, you, guys, you guys have a fan base here. Uh, this is not the only comment. AK and Martin, hello, so excited to see you here. Barry's oh. going down. Uh, followed Carol by a- I am not T Pain. Apart from Barry's odd behavior, which was strange uh, after the, she went missing, is there a clear indication, Carol, that he is responsible for Suzanne's disappearance, or did the prosecution jump the gun just because he was the spouse? You know, Here's people me. ask that, and when you look at that arrest affidavit, that's not a small thing. No, that Johnny. One hundred twenty-nine pages. That is a beautiful arrest affidavit. And it's mm. it's thorough. Fabulous. It's fabulous. So if you got that arrest affidavit and you're the DA, I think there I've seen affidavits with two pages where they've arrested somebody. That, yeah. that is a, a very thorough affidavit. So but it's uh, in some parts there, Carol, it's it's out. inaccurate. It's inaccurate. Yeah. It's so, so the NA, the AA, <laughs> we can literally prove at least 25 inaccuracies. And and rightly so, because the they didn't have specific things like knowledge of clocks being wrong or, or, um, why certain, yeah. And there's been four different officers. We can identify three. One speaks of them as, okay. So Barry's device called Suzanne's device after a specific time. And the other author says, Suzanne calls Barry. So the, the specific wording you have to read every single line twice because you know it's been copied and pasted and put together by three or four different authors. I see. And you can see the writing style of, of the original thought process and then the revision. So, so do you but, think they jumped the gun? I think they no. 100% oh, jumped, they jumped the gun. Oh, because they jumped the gun. But, but this is the right. first time in Colorado history that anybody at CBI, Colorado Bureau of Investigation, the head of CBI, actually called the DA and the sheriff and beg them not to arrest on yeah. that day. Well, this is, um, we've had other panelists who says that this has been completely botched by the state, uh, this mm. case. And the arrest affidavit, I have a quote here. Uh, it says it had become clear that Barry could not control Suzanne's insistence on leaving him. 
And he resorted to something he has done his entire life, hunt, hunt and control Susan, like he had hunted and controlled uh, animals. Uh, and we'll get into this in a moment with Carol uh, about how he was set to go on trial for murder. Um, and the case was suddenly dismissed. Uh, but before we get there, um, Martin, uh, Kurt says you two speak and you're in Ireland on the phone very late into the night. And he's even on West Coast time. So it's even later for you. Um, what do you talk about all these nights? What, what do you Details. discuss? Just we, we bounce off each other. We we find stuff. I, I find stuff during the day when Kurt is asleep and he finds it when I'm asleep and we come together and we go through it. like fine. And if we don't agree with it, we no. don't agree with it. We will fight it out until fight it's it. actually it's agreed upon or we reach out for the, the second tier and the third tier yeah. people to jump in or give us your opinion. We put out surveys. That's where the crowdsource comes in and you get different perspectives from so many different minds. It's, it's just a beautiful. If someone wants to help, if someone wants to become part of this, you know, uh, cyber search, if you will, this data search that you're doing, and you're also doing it physically at times in person. Uh, how, yeah. How does one become part of Hope Rocks or how, how, how do they get in touch with you? Well, it's it's taken a long time to get where we are, it, you know, in, in doing what we do every day, I, like being gone for almost a year out of um, your priorities have to be your family, your your mental health and then the files that you're working on. I was interrupted for three months with the Suzanne case because there was a local older woman missing that we were trying to find. We had so many people doing so many different things. But at this point right now, we're not, it's not ready yet um, yeah. to actually be a, a, a thing. Um, we use it as a way that, to funnel the YouTube 10, $15 a month that we get into the nonprofit coffers so we can eventually build out the website, set it up how we want to, you know, and get things going. But right now it's not something that we're trying to expand. Because of Suzanne, um, yeah. we got we have to get this information to the right hands for Suzanne's case. And Carol, you're the perfect vehicle for something like this because you are no nonsense. And I can tell from your your Twitter feed and the articles that you have written, you love facts. I will blow your mind. Wow. Well, there's so much I don't know. Obviously, <laughs> I mean, I, did you know about this? And I think we've gotten lazy out here. There's because, so many people that don't know what we know. Oh, we, we've gotten yeah. so lazy. Uh, oh, there goes my ear thing. But um, yeah, I mean, the, after the, the after this case was dismissed, uh, Iris Aton was known for never talking to the press. She's she's a very good lawyer. And uh, hold on, just a minute. Yeah. My dog's gonna eat my. Martin, I'm gonna go to you real quick. And, um, suddenly, she's she's feeding the press. You know. Um, She's going well, to she, the Stanley. She who, started the the her nonprofit. Yeah, and so, so that that's been interesting. But yeah. but but we all feel helpless. I mean, we don't know what to do. You know, John Speezy says the case is open. I don't know what he's doing. Linda case, Stanley has a couple more years. In Colorado. The case is actually at CBI in the cold case files. After three yeah. years, it goes cold in Colorado. Yeah. I don't understand how. Chaffee County is saying that they're actively working on when it should be the cold case detectives in Denver from various disciplines um, come in and reevaluate re Yeah. I, I don't understand that. Yeah. So Mar Martin, um, you know, again, we started the show by saying that the assistant district attorney believes 
Uh, they know where the body is. Do you yeah. believe, you and Kurt believe, you know where the body is? Yeah, we have uh, about six different places. Um, Data-focused uh, places yeah, data that, focused. that oh. would allow for it. Yes. Yeah, and have you gone to search, or is it just too difficult? Well, they're on here? private land, and you know you, you can't. You know, uh, it has to be uh, the the law enforcement have have to be the ones that do. Because the other thing is uh, contamination, con- crime yeah, contamination, the crime scene, all that sort of stuff has to come into it. So, um, but we have had drones, uh, Kurt has flown drones over all these. Uh, Areas. We've mapped them, mapped to, them the, to the to the centimeter, um, so, so that way we can show. You can see it up, like you can see um, a, a bit of uh, wrapping paper of, of, of a bit of candy on, on the on the ground. You know, yeah. so um, we crowd. Uh, for instance, we crowdsourced a uh, drone uh, a drone flight of I seventy in Utah for this missing woman um, for the police department and for her family. And we had people looking for cell phone cases. Yes. I had yeah, 86 also. targets with uh, from over 100 people. I had them going through targets and finding pieces of rectangular things that could be phone cases for me to go out there and physically put my hands on. And that's, that's what that we brilliant. want. Yeah, that was that's what we want. Do so, you guys think that there yeah. was anything to bury... Uh, all you know, all the different trash dumps up yeah. in Broomfield, because you're saying that there's a there's a spot near Salida, but um, the, the, the spots that we have, look, uh, as you said earlier on, it, it, Suzanne could be anywhere around uh, Salida, up, up Maysville, and whatever, but anywhere between um, Puma Path and Broomfield as well, you know, but. Um, we we believe that she's close, you know. She's close to the house, you know. She's uh, close as a salida, like. And, and Carol, what do you think uh, hypothetically if the body was found? Um, what would that do for the case? Um, with DNA today, would they be able to solve this case? Do you think? Depending on where it's found, as well. Yeah, depending on what what state it's in, how she died, mm-hmm. where it is, where. Where it is, if it's if it's tied to Barry, I mean, if there's you know, if you look at the skull, if there's a crack, you know, yeah. um, I, gosh, it's been so long, but but people have figured out from bones after decades what happened to somebody. You know, yes. hypers have stumbled yeah. on 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 remains. Mm. But you're right. Gosh, that's a great question. What do you, what else do you guys think they would be looking for if there's well I don't think they've noticed something very important and I, I it bothers me to this day what's that when on Saturday when after driving back or driving to town from the Puma path home leaving Suzanne going to town to work telling you know is having this talk with his uh, contractor Morgan um, and making the the beachside flat, flat, flat. And Morgan said that Barry looked like he had the worst night of his life the night before they were supposed to work all day. He called off at 11, 11 30 ish, um, dropped her off, drove home and then drove back into town 
and had a blade changed on his Bobcat and the telematics unit, which is, um, is a GPS service. It's a subscription-based service. Barry had some issues with billing. He wasn't the most accurate biller of his time. And so they made him put this GPS unit on his Bobcat, get it activated. And it was activated for a week. Um, and that was the power to that telematic unit was cut. 100% on Saturday Why while he was down at DSI, at DSI getting his blade changed. At then two, he goes back 10, home. 16. But before he leaves, we can have, we see the, the photos. The trailer is completely clean and the tires and stuff in the Bobcat are completely clean. Yet when you next see the Bobcat, that Bobcat was unloaded and there is dirt in that trailer where there was no dirt to the last time that thing had telematics on it that tells me a huge story between the time that it left on saturday when it was clean trailer was clean there was some aggregate placed onto that trailer hauled somewhere that you can, see it, was the, you can see it on the helicopter video yes yeah, there's a helicopter flyover you can see it yeah Kurt, for those who don't know what telematics is can you explain it's a recording of positional data, usually with, with, uh, via GPS. Um, like, uh, so Automator. you can tell, yeah, the odometer, the speedometer. So vehicles have different te telemetric, sy telemetric systems. Barry's truck has its own, um, and he also has an infotainment system, um, which records your incoming outgoing calls, um, your GPS, um, non-phone-aided GPS routes. Doors place you, you type in. Yeah, it's got several different modules, the lights, inside lights, and outside lights, the doors, mm -hmm. the parking, the gear shifts, and the engine status. So you can track a lot from this, from not just the data from the Bobcat, but from the truck as well. And there's a lot of it that's missing. I mean, we only have a tenth of what the actual investigation has. So we're not going to play like we know everything. But in just the, the tent that we have, we've been able to eliminate so much and so much expanse of territory to search that with what the law enforcement have, if they just followed the same procedure and overlaid ours, theirs with ours, we believe it would lead to the location. Mm. Uh, Catherine uh, in Hawaii missed the intro. Is this your new studio, Joel? No, it is not. I am coming to you from an undisclosed location <laughs> in Los Angeles because uh, the chief technical officer, also known as my wife, decided it would be a good idea to come out here uh, before we go, which is her homeland, before uh, we embark on an amazing adventure. My mother, as you guys all know, is a uh, Holocaust survivor, and for the first time ever, she's taking myself, my wife, and my kids to Europe, uh, to Serbia, to see where she was hidden uh, during the war. So we are stopping uh, here along the way for some family business, heading there. You're going to get programming every day. We're going to relaunch a couple of episodes, uh, including one where my uh, mom decided to give uh, a uh, grandson of a Nazi who came on our show prior to being true crime uh, she gave him and another Holocaust survivor a bit of an earful, and you'll find out why uh, over the next week or so. And then we are back in full force with the new studio August 3rd-ish around then. Follow me on Instagram, Surviving the Survivor. I'm going to be posting uh, 
some information and pictures from this trip. And I'll do a couple of YouTube lives with uh, Carm, my beautiful mother, uh, screaming at me at different points along the way, which uh, she certainly did. <laughs> Um, Carol, back to you, uh, just, just to, um, circle back on the, on the prosecution. So the defense here, they pressed the judges to impose severe, uh, severe sanctions on the prosecution for failing to turn over, uh, potentially exculpatory evidence in a timely manner. Ultimately the judge here, judge, uh, Loma, he, um, Lama, excuse me. I say Loma, Lama, judge Lama. Excluded, uh, I believe, eleven of sixteen key witnesses, and so because of that, um, the murder trial was ultimately dismissed. Carol, do you know where we stand right now uh, with all of that? You know, I, I don't have a good feeling. Actually, we don't even have a, a judge, you know, um, a consistent judge on this. The, the judge that that uh, let all those records go a couple of weeks ago was just an interim person in a completely different county. In third, the third judge on the case. First was Judge Murphy, who was judge shopped out of the out of the the case. I don't have a good feeling at all, but maybe I don't know what they're really doing right now. I feel like the prosecutorial office is in a flux. You know, Linda Stanley's being investigated. Um, We have we know of at least three open investigations. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yala said, what, what's the story in the marriage, domestic violence, financial motive? Um, Carol, have they been able to pinpoint investigators, that is, um, if the husband did do this, why? Uh, we know she was having an affair. We know that. What do you guys know about the domestic violence? So, I, mean, I feel like there were some texts where she referred to it. Yes. Might have talked to Sheila Oliver about it. Yes. There's lots of messages between so, herself to Sheila Oliver texts. Through a, a third party, we okay. we have. Uh, yeah, I don't uh, know about physical abuse. I think there was definitely physical abuse. She said she said it uh, to her sister. Yeah. She um, it's in it's in her list of grievances. Um, yeah. Um, she, she also she, she said also, it to Sheila. She said it to Sheila several times. It was three times. And then um, how Macy, the daughter, was wanting to move to Salida to get away from. Um, that situation. Both of them could move into a, in, into, Salida, into an apartment into together. Yeah, it, well, together. She wanted to get a restraining order. Her daughter did. Yeah, against for the mom. So, mom, can you just get a restraining order? Or just divorce yeah. him and don't tell him Which until is, it's uh, over. And with. that's part of the equation too: is the two daughters and their allegiance yeah. to their dad. Yeah. Well, well, and, Martin, this Barry's back up in Indiana now, right? You saw all that because he put. I think he put. I think it was Macy on his um, on his on his uh, his, oh, yes. his business right. in Indiana, and, and she started she started a capital investment company as well. Um, oh, did and she? Mallory has Mallory, in Indiana, Mallory. and Mallory <laughs> has a actual uh, property management company in Gunnison, Colorado, as well. Mm-hmm. It was Macy's the in one Indiana. that lives in Indiana, right? Yeah. Well, no. She, well, that's that's where the with the it was um, registered in 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 the. Um, There's yeah, I think Mar- I think she's still going to college in Western State. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Martin Raul Thomas, why did the dogs hit on the bobcat? I apologize if you guys uh, sort of went over this, but uh, can you respond to this? Uh, I'm juggling a new set here, dealing with a few complications, but uh, if you want to respond to this question, yeah, well the. 
the dogs um, hit on, there was three separate dogs, and uh, each dog hit on the trailer. So you had the trailer and you had the bobcat beside the trailer. And all, all the three dogs hit on the um, on the dirt, as we were saying, the aggregate, which is on top of the trailer, which you can see in the in the copter video of, of Puma Path. And they all hit on the the bobcat. One of them, one of the dogs actually jumped up into the bobcat and into the seat in the of, of the of the of the bobcat. Um, you no, know, dogs don't do well in trial. They don't. No. They don't do these ones to- these ones were ninety five percent um for yes, that's right. a state certification. Yes, ninety five percent. But th- but right. there was there that was one team out of three, I think, that they had that were looking at various things. Cadaver, they had search, the bloodhounds, uh, search, uh, the SAR teams had their bloodhounds out there. Um but the two cadaver set of dogs, the first set they, we don't know where they were walked. We don't know if they passed by the bobcat and didn't catch it or if they were led somewhere else. But this team, there was three individual hits from three different dogs at, yeah. at this location at the bobcat. But in the, the lawsuit that uh, Barry's lawyer is has filed against everybody in the state of Colorado and um, pretty much everybody in the state of Colorado, um, she states that the bobcat, that law enforcement know that the bobcat wasn't involved in this crime. I don't know where they get this. And in the AA, in the rest affidavit, they actually say that at this time, we don't believe that the Bobcat was utilized in this crime, but they missed the fact that it was, it was empty. It was clean. That trailer was clean. The last time we saw any movement on that. So, trailer. so, so at two, at two ten sixteen, when the Bobcat was disconnected, um, we could see there's a CCTV camera at uh, DSI looking down at the bobcat. Well, he was taking the bobcat in to get the blade taken, uh, changed. And then he then heads back to Puma Path and he parks basically the truck and bobcat and trailer at the door of the house, at the, at the entrance door. And then he does reverse back at about 9, 9.16 or something like that in the evening. He, he reverses back the... Um, the, the the truck and trailer, but when you see it at the at that night on the tent, when the, just before the leading Barry into the house, you can get a glimpse of the bobcat and trailer from the two cops standing at the edge of the house, and you can see the bobcat and the trailer parked where they are in the exact same spot as they are in the helicopter video, and which shows the aggregate. which shows the aggregate. So somehow. That truck and trailer, we've no telematics for that because the mm-hmm. telematics of the Bobcat was disconnected. So why would he disconnect the Bobcat telematics? And where did that aggregate come from? Come from. And and you can see the dirt on the wheels of, of wherever he was, there was dirt on the wheels because there were clean. Martin, how hard is it to disconnect telematics? That seems like something you'd have to have knowledge of. No, just, it could be, it could be just the it. chip. It could be just the chip taken out. But the guy... Who changed the blade was a mechanic. Hmm. So he was like a mechanic on heavy machinery. He More his comment comes from me, Miss Wee Lassie, who actually watches us in Ireland. Uh, the guy, Barry Morphew, worked with concrete and huge boulders. Uh, surely law enforcement should have considered those two things as a potential way of hiding a body. Uh, they had to look at that, right, Martin? Yeah. Um, 
like as I said, the court you could you could hide ten bodies in in, in just the area where the house is in Puma Path and never find her. Mm. Do you know if you yeah. if you had the right equipment, you could. No. I, you know what? I wish I could. I could show you the graphics, like on the Google Earth, where everything is like plotted and the timeline. You know, the Excel yes. file with four thousand lines of data and everything with GPS and everything. You know, all in a timely order. It yes. paints a powerful picture, and so none of the vote we're saying has been speculative. We're raising questions of how did that trailer with that bobcat that wasn't involved become dirty in the time that uh, bought the cat telematics was cut at 226 or 223 and the time that the police held uh, bo- uh, the bobcat and the, the crime scene what they called it crime scene for those days um how could that get there well wh- we're gonna have you back on once i get back and we'll go through kind of do like a uh, science lesson on the data we'll bring up uh, all the images with the chief technical officer of the show uh dr von decay uh carol for you uh a question about retrieving the body now that it is summer and not winter in uh, Colorado. Why aren't they looking for the body? Do we know, Carol? That's a great question. Uh, you know, it's it's confusing to me because I keep hearing about the, this one mine. Off the record, people tell me that. And I think at the very bottom of the mine, apparently there's water. And they can't get down there. That water was pumped out of the Garfield mine, and there's a there's another mine called the Shamrock Mine, which is a, goes by a different name in the uh, federal database, but it's known to us as the Shamrock Mine because of Irish uh, <laughs> Irish involvement in this case. <laughs> well, are these but, tiny, tiny little mines, or are these no, big? Two hundred fifty foot shafts, and some of them Garfield's huge. Garfield is huge. I thought we were talking a tiny little dot mine way up at the. You know, There's, I was told that it's really hard to get up there. And, you know, even for really for people who are really in shape, it's really hard. You're to get about up. a quarter of a mile south at the Garfield mine to the mine that you're talking about. Um, Kurt, I wanted to ask you, uh, otherwise known as AK, and uh, they've got quite the fan base uh, in the chat room. Um, I don't know why. Did you say that you, <laughs> you're doing good work? That's why. Did you say that you interviewed Barry himself? Yeah, I talked to Barry for 38 minutes on the side of the road before I knew anything. Tell us when and how that just tell what was your impression when you spoke to him? Um, By that time, I mean, you already have. I I think it was August. I'm not mistaken. I was driving down the road after clearing Boss Lake. I had swam the swam the lake in a wetsuit Um, and I had I didn't have the underwater drone at that time. So it was all um, by visual. But. Um, and I was driving by the entrance into their home HOA on 225. Um, and off of 50, I saw Barry and a couple of his friends and workers working to put on a gate to the HOA because there was a lot of look, you lose a lot of journalism, people, a lot of journalists going down there to try to interview them and the neighbors. And so he felt compelled to, to put this up. Um, I pulled over, I asked for a, a, uh, flyer and the rest is on YouTube. I, I just put it up there. Um, I, I edited out 11 minutes and gave that the full unedited version to the FBI. Um, first to the CBI three times and they failed to put it in the case file. And then when I got a hold of an FBI agent, Ken Harris, um, he actually had me put it in to the FBI's file. So that was pretty cool. Um, 
I've talked to a lot of people that are very close down there that will never be named, but that have provided very good information because my goal, sir, Joel, is not to prove a murderer guilty. That's not my role in life. I'm not law enforcement. I'm not an attorney. I'm not anything but somebody trying to find closure for a family member for other people because I know what it's like not to have closure. And I know that there's not a lot of victim advocates in the state of Colorado that do their jobs. And we just want to bring uh, Suzanne back and have her family get closure. And that's it. Um, the rest of this is on law enforcement shoulders. It's on the DA shoulders. It's on the state shoulders. It's on the defense's shoulders. Um, and it's on certain media personalities who choose not to partake or not to expose themselves to certain pieces of evidence because it, it might sway their opinion differently. Um, we've seen that from the start. This has been a very coordinated um, rumor and just pure crap being unloaded by people on from the defense. I guarantee it's from the defense. And I'll say that with all responsibility just on me. Um, I know it's been targeted. Um, but at the end of the day, we just need to find Suzanne. And I think we're eliminating the options. If you utilize the data properly and you understand what happened, you can truly paint a picture with the numbers and and what can't happen, what can't be possible, what can be possible. And I, I can't wait to get this into the hands of, of FBI. We've released version one, I believe what, eight months ago, nine months ago, Martin? Um, yeah. That oh, took yeah. us eight months, eight and a half months to put together. I was straight double checking. You are getting all your data and your information into the hands of law enforcement. Is that right? Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. But to the right law enforcement, because who's investigating it? Because Chafee County might be investigating it on the, their minds, but it's transferred to the cold case file in Denver. Uh, Johnny Grusing with the FBI, he's not with the FBI anymore, but he's interviewing witnesses who he's previously interviewed so in Indiana there. and locally. So, so he's re-interviewing people? He has been, yes. Since the lawsuit started, I don't know if it has, the lawsuit. Exactly. has to do with that. Um, I don't, I don't. What does that have to do with the lawsuit? Well, you want to ask more pointed questions whenever you're going to be deposed by a hundred, potentially a hundred different lawyers if they chose to, but, um, wow. You know, because he has, you have open death position. He said he's suing them saying, saying that they, that the state of Colorado and all these people broke his, his civil rights, which they may well have. I'm, I'm not an attorney. I can tell you 40% of what is in that lawsuit is correct. And I would agree with 60% of it. I can prove unequivocally it's wrong and false and just totally throws it out the window. So that makes it more interesting for these folks that are being sued to get this data and to say, Hey, what's going on with this? You know, and that's what I'm hoping happens. That civil suit um, that Barry Morphew is filing really opens up a can of worms in terms of what Kurt just said with depositions. Isn't that right? Yes. yes. Come back and be used in a, in a criminal case again, potentially. 100%. Carol? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Since it's, since it was, um, it was dismissed without prejudice, sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But that's, you know, that happened in John Bonet, uh, yeah. you know, because the Ramsey started suing everybody. If you remember right. that they even actually sued Fox News because of a story I did. Mm -hmm. And um, I had about two dozen 
law enforcement officers lined up to be deposed who couldn't talk unless they were made to talk and subpoenaed to talk. And people were begging for that lawsuit to go forward and it ended up getting dismissed without merit. But I could see that happening here as well. <laughs> who weren't allowed, you know, for whatever reason, you know, it got a little messy with Cahill, you know, in the, in this, in CBI. Yeah. yeah. And um, maybe, maybe this is, um, maybe there will be something that breaks loose. When we have people with your uh, reach and your understanding and your depth of, of, of knowledge, if we could present to you something that you could spend an hour chewing on asking questions about, I bet when you come back onto Joel, cause we're nobody, we're not the best guests on YouTube, no. um, but you could be, if you were informed, I bet you would want to, you'd yeah, be chomping yeah. at the bit to get this information. 100%. Well, I'm going to certainly put uh, Carol in touch with you guys and, uh, you know, Carol's reporting can go a long way along with your data and helping uh, find this person. Carol, have you interviewed Barry Morphew? No, I never have. You never have. So, no. Kurt, back, back to your interview. For, she had Lauren Scharf on. She's the one who's talking. Yeah, yeah. She was supposed yeah. to come on tonight. She had a, a prior Yeah, she was supposed to come on, but she had a... That'd be interesting. It's she's now since she's not a journalist anymore. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. And, so, and Carol, with you having your background and your amazing track record, having information and speaking with the actual, you know, Lauren Scharf of the world that actually has been in, you know, interviewed, spend a lot of time too. Um, I think you would make a great team even. I'm going to try to reunite you guys. Uh, with Ms. Scharf, we will get her on here. Um, but Kurt, I wanted to just, what was your, for, forget like the actual data, which I know you're so focused on, but when you spoke yeah. with Barry for those 38 minutes, what was your impression of him? He didn't like lying. It's odd to say this because this man has displayed nothing but pure lies to everybody but he would word things in a way that you could interpret your own meanings i mean honestly i gave him total control i lowered my seat let him hold the door um you know he, he was right there he knew i was recording get your get my story out all this stuff i gave him the power position and let him go i actually showed him a, a picture of a of a shirt that was found a quarter of a mile away from the house that I had recovered or that the uh, CBI recovered um, and showed him a shirt, a picture of a shirt with buckshot in the front, a teal blue small biking shirt with buckshot in the front and nothing out the back that was wedged in a rock crevice up and uh, high watermark. Um, and it was weird. It, it, it he didn't want to have anything to do with it. He says immediately called the lead on this case with CBI. It's Kirby Lewis. They had just changed the uh, investigative leads to Kirby at that time, and um, so he gave me Kirby's number number straight away. But he he didn't want to see it, and uh, his biggest excuse was he, he he you know the cops are out to get me. Yeah. But I can't say anything of bad, bad about them because I work with them every day because I'm a volunteer firefighter. So if I talk bad about them, they're not going to like me at work anymore. I said, what's more important, Barry, 
this is your wife and your what you, what are you talking about how the cops are going to look at you and just from speaking your truth it was amazing to see that and we'll uh you know as i said we'll get you back on it's a strange time uh for me personally uh which by the way is redundant and i hate when people say for me personally and i just did it but uh just because uh, I'm in mid-travel here, uh, but we will get you guys back on and circle, uh, you know, around on all of this stuff. And I will try to get uh, Miss Sharp on the program as well. Uh, Carol, we'll wrap up in just a moment or two. Um, what's your take? This was sort of the curveball here on that DNA found in Suzanne's car. It was an incomplete profile. Uh, do you have any idea what the reason is that it got there? Was he working at a car wash? Uh, there's all kinds of speculation out there, but bottom line is, um, that helped the defense, certainly. But was that a big nothing burger or was it something? It was a nothing burger. The people whose DNA, I think there were three people. Two of them three. had alibis. Was it three? Yeah. Two of them had alibis. Yeah. And the One, third, I don't remember. But from Arizona? Eliminated that person as well. Yeah. Prescott, yeah. Arizona. Yeah. yeah I, I was just was, reading the case file was, or the yeah, actual yeah. communication to from can the I, detectives. Can Martin. I just speak on that there uh, on, on, on the DNA? Um. The it's been rattled around all from the from Irish Eaton and all the camps, uh, the Barry camps, basically, and it keeps coming up. And it's just put doubt into people's mind is what it's there for. But if you just say that DNA was a sexual offender, uh, so a profile par- a partial profile. Okay. Yeah, partial profile. Just say that, say it was true that that DNA was from uh, an abductor. So the theory would be that she was abducted from the house. So you're talking about a an abductor go to the house, sees all the cameras there, but still goes in, and he goes in. He gets her, takes her bike, takes her helmet, takes her uh, other non book or her diary. Her, you know, he takes her phone, he takes her charger, he t- he puts the dart sheet in the drawer, and he does all and takes the blank uh, the 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 her towel which she was sunbathing on, which was never recovered either from the house. So this is what the abductor does. He takes all these things. The Elanon book then is destroyed in the fire, which is actually mentioned in the, in the um, her grievances that Barry wrote in the, in into her Elanon book. And then he goes, takes Suzanne in his own vehicle with the bike and the helmet, drives out, plants the bike down the down the embankment, then drives up the 50, throws the helmet out, and then in the same place where Suzanne's phone was pinging at the hour of 4 a.m. that previous morning. It's all too strange. Do you know what I mean? So her phone was pinging where that helmet was found? Just along where the helmet was found, all the way up to um, Garfield, I believe. Close, 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 close to Garfield. To but it, not, it was pinging not, in a place where it shouldn't have been pinging. Along the Arkansas River, basically, at the South Arkansas River. You know, the creek at the back of the house? Along that river, basically, between between there and the 50. Well, do you think um, the phone was thrown into the river? Or do you think she no, was the river uh, with the phone in her back pocket? She was, I don't know what was, he was doing down there, but uh, it could be. It could be we'll let you look at the data and you can decide. Her phone, her phone. Okay. This is, so this her is, phone this and his is, phone. Uh, amazingly uh, interesting. Martin, had you ever investigated a case prior to this, Martin? 
No, I haven't really. Don't say no. Don't <laughs> say no. This man is one of them. Uh, I've worked with law enforcement on many, many, many cases throughout the years. I've I've been in courts testifying. I've done a lot of things. This man is one of the best true investigators I've ever met. Wow. Truly. Very, very interesting. Uh, Celestial here you says, say Carol, true. Yeah. Carol uh, you will be absolutely blown away by their information. Barry did not call Suzanne Pryor like hardly ever. Uh, so I will connect you guys, uh, obviously, offline. Um Carol McKinley, uh, for those who do not know, is a freelance print and broadcast journalist who has been covering news from the Rocky Mountains for 30 years. She's written extensively about this for the uh, Denver Gazette. Um, do you have hope, Carol? Where do we uh, where do we go from here? Uh, and someone just asked here, uh, and I'm curious about your take, should Colorado a- appoint a special prosecutor for the next, quote unquote, rodeo slash trial? Yes. yes. Be a long time though. They will need to. If there's, I don't know what's going to happen with uh, Linda Stanley. She's not going to step down. Um, she won't step down. So what is she? Half left. And, uh, yeah, it does, yeah. You know, um, maybe there will be someone really good who steps in at that prosecutor role, so that they don't have to appoint a special prosecutor. So in essence, it would be a new prosecutor looking at the case. You know, she could be in trouble, and a lot of the people who work under her in the in Fremont County, in one of the counties in that district, um, they're all. You know, a couple of them are being investigated. So there's a lot up in the air with with the investigation. I don't know how much the people who are on this team. I don't know if they're still going to be around right. after the next year. So. Um, yeah, I mean, it's up to the governor, isn't it, to to appoint a special prosecutor? Yeah, the county commissioners can actually in, institute uh, in Colorado in certain circumstances. The attorney general can voluntarily reach out and request, uh, would you like to have a, a special prosecutor, which is what should be do- done. Because as long as Linda Stanley is in office or any other people that are in this lawsuit, are in their positions, there was never going to be a case presented to the courts involving Barry Murphy. Well, but they got to find the body. They it's, don't. It's, they don't. There's enough. There's enough circumstantial evidence. If you have, yeah. if, if I, if, if I had 12 of those 14 witnesses, yeah. expert witnesses in court, my, my nine-year-old kid could prosecute this case. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, one more question for Carol here, and then we'll wrap up. Uh, with Martin and Kurt and Broom, a friend of the show. Um, how do you read Barry Morphew's lawyer's statement outside of court when the case was dismissed? The quote is, they're not going to find a body that can be linked to Mr. Morphew. Shrewd phrasing. Uh, did you make anything? Did it raise your eyebrows at all, Carol? Well, sure. Um, Iris is brilliant. You know, um, she, she, I think she, I think she really believes Barry's innocent and, and she believes that someone else did it. And if they find a, a body that's not linked to Barry, maybe it's linked to someone else. That's, that's what she's saying. She, she's never. Gonna Barry, Barry did say after he got guilty. the case dismissed, the killer is still out there. <laughs> that kind of dismisses the fact that she could be abducted or uh, she left on girl style and all that stuff. Yeah, Barry I, says the killer I, I is still think out they there. back down on the whole abducted thing that, that can't, you know, 
Come on. You love your daughter so much. And you never yes. from her again. She never opened up those videos from Sheila Oliver. Yes, ma'am. That's a little reminiscent of that comments reminiscent of OJ. Uh, this comment, yes. Hope Rocks, Hope Rocks. Uh, we've had hunters chime in on Barry's method. So many people with different experiences and perspectives and expertise on this case. I want to give a big thanks to Kurt Simpson, who also goes by AK, the founder of the nonprofit group Hope Rocks. He works alongside Martin Smallwood, not Underwood, as I uh, had been <laughs> auto-corrected to on my tweets. Um, and Hope Rocks is comprised of hundreds of volunteers from around the world coming together for the sole purpose of crowdsourcing investigations. That's really amazing. I uh, screamed to my wife about technology, how it's going to destroy our kids. But look, it's uh, doing positive things, too. Um, it is helping to crowdsource these investigations. Uh, Martin, your final thoughts, and then I'll uh, have Kurt give us his. But Martin, anything you'd like to add? Let Kurt go first. Let Kurt go first. <laughs> there was never a bike ride. I hate whenever the national media yes. opens up. When this woman went for a bike ride. No, Suzanne was not. She was she was not an avid biker. She'd only been biking for a few months. And she rode in the afternoon. She was not known as a morning person. So um, even the husband, who didn't really stay at the house very often, um, didn't even understand the cycle of her daily routine. So... It, you know, there was never a bike ride. Um, and all we want to do is find Suzanne with the data and with bright minds coming together, um, looking at it in different ways and picking it apart. That's it. Mm. Martin, uh, save the best for last. By the way, these I'm, are best, best guests. Uh, what I was saying is that they are just not professional investigators, which we typically have on. Uh, but these are the types of people that helps solve crimes. And I wouldn't be surprised if Martin and Kurt get to the bottom of this and a guy like special agent Grusing, Johnny Grusing, who's become a friend of the show, he might come out and say, hey, these guys helped me solve this. I would not be surprised at all. Uh, Martin, you're sitting in Ireland. It'd be uh, the irony of ironies if you can help solve a case here in the United States. Uh, what are your final thoughts? Um, are we on the road to justice here? I think it's going to be a long, a long road still. Uh, but I think if they got cadaver dogs back at this time, that they could knock out a lot of these places that, that we, where we think Suzanne may be, uh, narrow down the search again, basically. But I think it's time now to bring the dogs back, the cadaver dogs. We and we have very specific places for them. Yes, to go. And we yeah. we've we've hired outside out out of state dogs on our own before, out of pocket. Um, yeah. Boom fields, but no. Yeah, um, but this one it's on private property. It's not something that we want to to mess with, you know. Um, and plus, what are they going to do? There's no there's no really incentive right now for them to truly find Suzanne. That's the sad part. So if they get some citizen investigator out there with some dogs that might be certified in Colorado uh, as cadaver dogs and have had thousands of discoveries of bones from 500 years old, um, if they have that, you're running around there, they're not going to be too happy about it because that's we're accelerating their, their timeline a little bit too fast for them. So we just want to partner with... They've got some very them. interesting places. Let's yes. put it that way. Very, very interesting places. That, and that as, you just, uh, 
No. Yeah, I was going to say, as just as you guys just alluded to here too, uh, Barry Morphew himself said the killer is still out there. Barry, the uh, these gentlemen tell me that you are watching this, so uh, you have an open invite. Uh, I know you have some pending, lit- uh, you know, a litigation going on with a civil case, but you are always welcome on this show. I'd love to get your perspective uh, and your take, especially if you, uh, you know, you say you know the killer's out there. Maybe you can help us find the. Uh, the killer uh, celestial says hit that like button for this panel. Uh, please do that. Uh, Martin, I did not mean to cut you off. Finish that thought. Um, I can't remember what it was now, but I, I will say off all the time. <laughs> I will say, yeah, I will say that um, Barry put up a, a reward for his wife, but the reward was for her safe return. So we might as well have given a billion up for reward. Because if he knew she wasn't coming back, he wasn't losing any money. So, Well, listen, this has been a fascinating uh, hour and 20 minutes. I appreciate. Wow. Sorry. Flew by. I'm going to have you guys back on for sure. Uh, For full disclosure, as I said, I'm a little uh, out of sorts myself. Had a really big interview last night with Ross Colthart, who uh, is the investigative reporter with the UFO whistleblower. Uh, And then I traveled with, uh, I don't know, two hours of sleep. So I'm I'm discombobulated. But we got Carol on here, which I'm psyched for. Uh, We have Kurt and Martin. And we will get you back um, with Ms. Scharf as well once I return. And we will stay on the story and try to get justice. Until then, love you, America. Love you, Colorado. Final seconds of the game, a chance to score and the chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. (coughs) Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks.